Good morning, Hope Church Mississauga. Truly an honor and a privilege to be back here with you. Uh, it was a couple of years ago, we may have met. If we met, it's good to see you again. If we haven't met, hi, my name's Dean, and I look forward to uh, preaching the word and all that God has shared with me today. As we look truly at this Compassion Sunday, if you have your Bibles open because of Maria and reading Luke chapter 10, please keep them open. We're going to continue to look in Luke chapter 10 and really break down what, what the Lord is saying, what Christ is saying in there, and, and how that applies to our lives. Um, it is true um, that here at Hope Church Mississauga, you truly seek to love God, love your neighbor, glorify God, and make disciples. And I think that's so important and so true and why we're a good partner together. And so I, I look forward, as we today, on this Compassion Sunday, uh, really strategically look and work together um, to release children from poverty in Jesus' name. Well, Pastor Ted last week was talking about loving like Jesus, and uh, I can't think of a better parable example uh, to illustrate what loving like Jesus could look like. And uh, you might think I planned it, but... I didn't. The Lord had a plan, and we all just get to live that out. We all get to live that out. But let me pray. Would you join with me in prayer as we start this day and commit this day to you? God, we just thank you, Father, for this day that you've given us, God, the breath in our lungs, God, the heartbeat of our heart. Father, we want to commit it to you, God. We want to be devoted, Lord, to you and to your church into our neighbor, into all those that come across our paths. Lord, so thankful this morning that we can praise and worship you. Uh, Simon was baptized. Uh, God, just testifying to who you are in the ways that you're at work, both in his life and in our lives. God, thank you for days such as this. We look forward to all you have. May you open our ears. May you open our eyes. May you open our hearts, God, and deposit and do a work that only you can do. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, many of you may be familiar with a popular evangelist and Bible teacher named D.L. Moody. D.L. Moody, Dwight Moody, um, loved children. Many of you will know the D.L. Moody Bible Institute. Anybody know that? That's a pretty popular. It's been around for a long time. Um, but this you may not know. D.L. Moody started his ministry way back in the 1860s. And uh, D.L. Moody uh, loved children. He loved to care for children. And he loved to really make a difference for children, youth, and young adults. In fact, D.L. initially started on mission uh, and created something called Mission Sunday School. It was a very thriving ministry to children in Chicago. There were many circumstances um, and difficulties with families with little to no education at that time, and truly, um, D.L. wanted to make a difference. He really wanted to make a difference. And <clears throat> as that ministry grew and as it expanded, uh, they had to 
convert and move into a, an old saloon. You ever see those old Western movies and they got like the old saloon, kind of a bar thing, and you know, the, I always think of the doors in that. Um, <clears throat> they converted an old saloon into uh, a ministry center and DL, they had hundreds and hundreds of children, youth and young adults that would come and be ministered to and cared for, similar to Compassion's ministry today. Later in life, D.L. Moody had a, a, many famous quotes, but one of the famous quotes that he talked about is up on the screen. D.L. said this, if I could relive my life, I would devote my entire ministry to children for God. My entire ministry to children. I don't know if that shocks you. It shocked me a little bit because uh, that's, that's significant, but that's on purpose. And why did D.L. say that? Why did Moody say that? Because he knew, like Simon, and like children and youth and young adults, he knew the difference that could be made for Christ and his kingdom in this world. And D.L. understood a fundamental principle, and that is, is that uh, if we can introduce the person of Jesus Christ, that the church will grow and the church will benefit. Um, and we, as Ted said last week, if we would continue to be devoted to one another, uh, we can grow. And so that is, you know, really blends right into uh, when we think of being committed and devoted to one another. We're going to talk about four key points today that I have out of the Good Samaritan scripture text that you all look to. So if you've got Luke chapter 10 there, four key points. Are you ready? Taking notes? Four points. Point number one, point number one. God requires total devotion to him. Total devotion to him. Here's why I say that. And here's where we see that. Starting in verse 25, 26 and 27. An expert in the law stood up to test him, saying, Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he asked. You ready? Here it is. Verse 27. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. And... Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, many of you will say, oh, I recognize that. That's, that's the great commandments. The great commandments often heard in Matthew 22. Often heard in Matthew 22. And it is there in Matthew 22. But it truly comes from, uh, we're going to flip back to Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5. And that's really where the, the primary commands come from and where they came from. When Jesus, when he says this, to uh, the expert in the law, he's really giving us an example of what total devotion to him uh, and our neighbor, what it means. I love this part. If you've got your Bibles, flip over to Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 5. And I love this because it's so descriptive and even more illustrative than what we read in Matthew and Luke. Deuteronomy 6 verse 5 says this, similar, but love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul, and with all your strength. These words I am giving you today are to be in your heart. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Bind them as a sign around your head and let them be a symbol on your forehead. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your city gates. Well, that's pretty straightforward. That's, <laughs> that is really uh, 
significant. You know, it, it really would be obvious if, if that's what Jesus is really talking about, uh, love the Lord your God, uh, it should be obvious to all of us. It should be obvious also to your mailman. And it should be also obvious to the gas attendant where you get gas. And it should be also evident and obvious to your family and your friends. And yes, even strangers. Total devotion to God is something that he invites us into. He invites us into it because he wants us to understand the plan and the purpose that he has not only for Simon, but for all of us. The plan and purpose that he has for all of us. Our character and conduct would be evident and it would be very obvious. Yet, this comes in a form uh, that we don't often think of. It comes in the form of this. I wrote this down, you may too. A responsibility, this, this, because God loves us so much, he gives us this responsibility in the form of a privilege to serve and honor him. A responsibility in total devotion to him in the form of a privilege to serve and honor him. He wants us, like Ted said, to be devoted to one another to care for and love one another. Jesus then replies after the expert in the law said that, verse 28, you've answered correctly. Do this and you will live. Do this and you will live. Well, the expert in the law didn't ask, but I'm already living. What, might, what do you mean live? I'm already alive. Is that what he meant? No, what he meant was to live, to have eternal life in a place seated with God in heaven. But there's, there's, there's a requirement. There's a requirement to this, right? It's free, but it requires us to do what? What did he just say? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Well, um, the, good, uh, the expert in the law recognized that, um, and then, of course, ask the question, maybe you've asked, I've asked sometimes, in verse 29, wanting to justify himself, but who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? Well, Jesus then took up that question and gave us the famous parable of the Good Samaritan and went on to explain, who is my neighbor? This, 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 um, Samaritan going from Jerusalem down to Jericho. Jerusalem down to Jericho. And, and you know, this life of faith, living it out often um, is difficult. There's, there's challenges. I don't know about you, but have you, have you noticed in life, point number two, the road seems rocky. The road seems rocky. You know, when we're, we're completely committed and living our lives and, and it, it should be easy breezy, Right? Should be no hiccups. Should be no problems. Is that your experience? It's not mine. And I, for good reason, and I understand that. Sometimes this, jersey, this, this journey of, of loving your neighbor is difficult. And Jesus gives us the example. He talks about the Jericho Road. Here's a picture of the Jericho Road going from Jerusalem down to Jericho. This is a distance uh, of about 27 kilometers. And it's a downhill trek from Jerusalem to Jericho. You're descending about 1,700 feet 
on this 27 kilometer long journey. Now, if you're a runner, that's fantastic. I get to run downhill 1,700 feet. That's really great. I'm a runner and I could probably do that in about three hours. I may not look like a runner, but I am a runner and I could probably do that in about three hours. Downhill, that is. Downhill, that is. But the point here, truly, what Jesus is giving us as the example is that it's difficult. The Good Samaritan went through the rocky places and the hills where, where the robbers were able to ambush him, were able to ambush him and um, take advantage of him and robbed him and beat him and left him half dead. While we're trying to love like Jesus, we're going to experience the rocky road. We're going to experience times where it may not be so evident where you're not running down the Jericho Road yourself, but you may be running down a road locally around here, or you may be living life around here, and it may be a little different. There may be different ways in which the road is rocky for you. You may not be beaten like the man in the story, but you're probably wounded and hurt in some way, shape, or form. And Christ has an opportunity for us and gives us this story. James 1, verse 2 to 4 says this, Consider it great joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various trials, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its full effect so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. Be aware, count the cost. Expect to go through trials, but above all, above all, be filled with hope. Hope that only comes from Christ Jesus. And that leads to point number three, love knows no boundaries. Love, God's love, love in Christ knows no boundaries. What do I mean by that? What do I mean by that? Let me be very specific what I mean by that. Verse 31 to 33, what am I saying there? This is where the, 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 the priest is going down the road and he saw the, the, the man and what did he do? What did the priest do? He passed by on the other side. And then what did the Levite do? The Levite saw him and he passed by on the other side. The two people that you and I would expect to stop and help. But they passed by on the other side. It was, it was the Samaritan the one that nobody expected to stop and help. You see, Samaritans were hated by Jews. Back then, they ridiculed one another. There was open hostility towards them. This is my favorite part. <laughs> the Samaritan came along on this journey, and when he came up to him, he saw the man, and he what? Had compassion on him. You probably get why I like that part. He had compassion on him. He went over and he bandaged his wounds and he put on the olive oil and the wine. He put him on his animal and he took him to the inn to take care of him. But before we're too hard on the priest and Levite, before we may, you know, use this example, I think it's really encouraging in a, in a way that God gives us this example. I've passed by on the other side Maybe you've passed by on the other side. 
Maybe it's happened. You know, I have to be, the church starts at nine, right, Lord? Like there's a guy with a flat tire, like you know I gotta get to hope, right? Like, and I'm just using that as an example, but, but there, are, there are times and situations in life when sometimes it's just inconvenient. It's just inconvenient and there's interruptions. You ever notice that, that there, there seems to always be interruptions? Interruptions in life. I've, I have a, a task list and a to-do list and I keep my calendar tight and I'm trying it and I fit it all in and, you know, drives my wife crazy. We're just going to stop at home hardware. We're just, I, can, I can squeeze in a three-minute stop. I do it too. We get so consumed in our own lives that we often forget those in need or those that are on the side of the road. Let me suggest this. What if, what if while God is giving us these opportunities, you know, we, we pray and we ask, Lord, you know what people need, God. Is there something, is there a way I can help? Is there, is there a way in which that, that somebody needs help, something I can do? And he gives us that opportunity, but we're too busy. We're too busy in life. What if this, what if interruptions in life are truly invitations in life? To love the Lord your God and to love your neighbor as yourself. The good Samaritan that day, what did he do? He stopped and had compassion on this man and picked him up and put him on his animal and took him to the inn and he reached into his pocket and he pulled out two denarii. And he gave the two denarii to the innkeeper. These are not denarii. I know you were wondering if they were. They're 50 centavos from Ecuador. The Samaritan took this money and gave it to the innkeeper to take care of him. Now, how many of you know how much a denarii is worth? A denarii is worth a full day's wage. Two denarii is two full day's wages. That's a fair bit, you know, walking around with a few hundred bucks in your pocket. Whatever you make on a daily basis, I don't know, but whatever that is. And he gave that freely to the man in care and said, and I will repay you anything extra when I return. When I return. And so what... What an awesome opportunity to think that, that interruptions in life may truly be invitations that God has for you. Whether it's financial or it's for prayer or it's to help some tangible need in some way, in the way that God has gifted you. But look through the lens of interruptions being invitations in life. And leave room. Leave room for God. Leave room in your schedule and your calendar for God. But all of that's well and good unless number four, point number four happens. Nothing happens unless we go. Nothing happens unless we go. Unless we live out 1 John chapter 3, which says, let us not just love in word and in speech, but let us love and in truth and in action. So what does go look like? What does it look like for you? What does it look like for me? What, it may look different for all of us, and it does, and it will look different for all of us. 
But the point of it is, go. What did, the, what did Jesus say at the end? Go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. You know, here around Hope, Mississauga, you have many opportunities to go. And uh, working with Pastor Chris and Ted and the team, I mean, there are many opportunities to engage both in mission locally and in mission globally. And so my encouragement for you today is to be engaged, to be engaged. For us at Compassion, Compassion Canada, Compassion International, Compassion Globally, our invitation is to become a missionary to one child that's in need around the world through a relational one-to-one sponsorship, partnership, development, discipleship program. It's $47 a month to develop and disciple and sponsor a child. But I sat down one day and I thought, $47, well, how much is it to sponsor my own kids? If I could get that for 47 bucks a month, what a deal. <laughs> what a deal. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> oh, Lord, it's so good. <laughs> I want to introduce you today to a little boy named Malukin. This picture on screen is the very first time that I met my first sponsored child, Malukin. He was five years old. It was 2003 when I saw him, September actually. It's my 20th anniversary. Knowing, sponsoring, and caring for Malukin. He's graduated now in Jesus' name. But, you know, Malukin was an example for me of a life change. It was a way that I was able to respond and to make a difference, and I sponsored him way back then. You see, it was a church service just like this, and a volunteer got up to talk about visiting her sponsored child in the Dominican Republic and what that was like. Today, we visit people globally. Short-term trips are probably different than they used to be. They're smaller. They're a little bit different. Compassion has decided to launch something new. And uh, Rob Freeman, Rob and Diane Freeman are going to be out at the back in the middle. We've launched something called Virtual Connections. If you sponsor a child or when you, if you, when you sponsor a child today, you'll have the opportunity to virtually meet them and go on Zoom. And our, our team at Compassion Canada will coordinate you to have a one-hour virtual connection visit over Zoom with your sponsored child to meet their family, uh, to be at their church, and to have that. And there'll be a translator, and Compassion takes care of that. Whatever country, whatever country, we have this and are available. So we're launching virtual connections today. And please stop and see Rob. Take a, take a pamphlet or a brochure with you. But you can also simply just go on Compassion.ca's website and you can see Visit My Sponsored Child and click there and it's all there and you can register. There's a couple of months wait right now, but, but you can go and visit your sponsored child. If not physically, virtually. Virtually. But why did I sponsor Malukin at Compassion? What was it that, that sort of grabbed me? Well, there's three key things. There's three distinctives, and I want to share those with you right now, that grabbed me, and I hope and pray that they may resonate and grab you to understand why Hope Mississauga has also partnered with us, and also that day, 20 years ago, why I decided to partner with Compassion. Christ-centered, child-focused, and church-driven. Christ-centered because we love Jesus. We love to love like Jesus, 
We love to act like Jesus. And all that we do, are, you know, we, we, we highly value discipleship and evangelism. And it's so important to us and our global church partners that they have the same spirit and the same conviction and they live that out. We believe, I don't know how many of you like standing in intersections. Anybody like standing in the middle of an intersection? I do. You want to know why? Because it's the intersection of good works and the good news of Jesus Christ. Those together is where you can proclaim and demonstrate the love of Jesus Christ. And our global church partners do that. They love to be right in the middle of proclaiming God's word and demonstrating that and living that out. We're child-focused, well, because who doesn't love children? I love children, we love children. Every one of us was made uniquely in the image of God. Every one of us. We truly believe that God has a plan for all of us. And that he truly, we, we want to foster their talents. We want to help them learn and to develop and grow in both coming to know who Jesus Christ is, but then also equipping them physically, socially, emotionally, cognitively, and spiritually. The whole breadth of life. We don't think about that around here in our house and in our homes. Our, our kids are just sort of developed holistically in all those areas, both by school, by ourselves, by our family. We don't think about it too much. But globally, it's not the same. It just doesn't happen that way. And then uh, thirdly, we're church-driven. Compassion partners exclusively through the local evangelical church um, in order, uh, because there's only one reason. <laughs> the church is God's plan for humanity. Can I get an amen? It's the only plan for humanity. And so we, we, we want to be that bridge. And so Compassion is that silent partner with the local church who we, we equip and empower um, and who manages. And uh, your sponsorship is managed through a local church. We're truly driven, church-driven, that's important. We're driven by what the local church says, what the local church needs. They understand the context, whether we're talking from Indonesia and Sri Lanka to Guatemala to Rwanda, Togo, Kenya, Burkina Faso in the middle. The local church knows and understands what is needed. They are the ones that register children so that children and youth and young adults, when I say children, please know that I mean children, youth, and young adults, are known and loved and protected by the local church. We are the largest child protection program the world has ever seen. We have over two million children that are protected and guided through a local church. And where, globally, just to give you a, a sense here, here's a picture of a global map that sort of shows you the, where, we're, where we're operating in 29 countries, where over 2.2 million children are registered through local churches. We partner with just over 8,200 churches. And you can see the, the yellow and the green and the red and the purple there. That, right through that center is, is, is where all of these 2.2. And then there's literally a breakdown. I don't know how good your eyes are, but you can literally see by country how many churches. In Haiti, we have 135,000 children at 370 churches that we partner with there that are doing this, living this out. Living this out. Like D.L. Moody, equipping the local church to go and care for and love children and develop and disciple them, not solely only survive, but they 
thrive. There's a difference between survival and clean water. Compassion is not a um, emergency disaster relief organization. We're a long-term discipleship, um, come alongside for the long haul development organization looking to truly develop for the long haul until uh, children uh, graduate and they, they get to the point where they're ready to, to, to move into the workforce and into, um, and into the workforce. For me, living out that Good Samaritan parable started when I started sponsoring Malukin, as I introduced you to him. My wife and I sponsored Malukin, and over the years we watched him grow up, and here's some pictures of Malukin growing up and seeing uh, what that looks like. Compassion, every 16 or 18 or 20 months, Compassion will send you an update. Uh, How's your child doing? How are they progressing? And they'll write you. It's a relational way through correspondence, whether you write with uh, paper or you write digitally online, which is much faster. It's all, you don't have to worry about compassion, worries about the translation, but you write in. My wife and I, we, we were able to watch Malukin grow up. Over 15 years, the span of 15 years watching Malukin grow. It was so exciting to be able to do that. And the, the truth was we always wanted to meet him you know, uh, but being from Ethiopia, rural Ethiopia, I don't know about you, but um, it's just not on your typical Sunday afternoon drive. You know, um, I mean, you, you've got a plan to go to Ethiopia. And I always wanted to go, and it was just a dream. And so my wife Sarah and I, we would sit down, and we would pray for Malukin, and we'd say, Lord, if the opportunity or door could ever open, we would love to visit Malukin. Well, Malukin, in his correspondence and letters, was telling us that his dream was to become an engineer. And he would share with us. And, you know, the years were going on, and we were so excited to care for him and love him. And the years were going on. And it just felt like God wasn't going to answer our prayer. And so one night, Sarah and I, my wife Sarah and I, sat down, and we decided to to pray one final prayer, knowing that Malukin was about to graduate. He was about to complete and graduate. And we thought, Lord, um, the investment that we've made all these years is enough. It's enough that Malukin has been released from poverty in Jesus' name. He knows who you are. He's living his life. And Lord, we just commit him to you. And thank you for the privilege and honor to just even care for him. Well, it was just that time when my wife Sarah received an email from her workplace. And you see, my wife Sarah had been nominated um, to win uh, an award for being a global citizen for volunteerism and all she had been doing in her workplace. And they selected her and she was informed that she was going to go to Kenya uh, for two weeks on a mission trip. And I said, well, you're going to Kenya. Well, you know Ethiopia is right beside Kenya, right? I mean, geography test. Uh, yeah, I, I said, well, what if, what if when you're done in Kenya after two weeks, if I fly down and meet you and we could maybe go and visit, do you think, could that be possible? Is, is God opening a door? Is that, so we, we prayed about it. We, we called Compassion and said, hey, is this possible? Could we go and visit Malukin? And they said, sure. And so 
we were all excited, and so we got all ready, and we, we booked our trip, and we packed our backpack full of stuff, right? Remember, you know, you pack a backpack full of, you know, going to give Malukin a backpack full of stuff, and bought him a laptop, actually thought, hey, um, you know, he's a young man growing. He probably could use a laptop. But here's why we bought him a laptop. Why would a boy living in poverty in rural Ethiopia need a laptop? It's because we were informed that when we got there, there was good news and bad news. The bad news was is that when we got there, Malukin wouldn't be there. The good news is because he's been accepted into university and we've made arrangements to fly you on campus to Dre Doha University, which is on the eastern border near Somalia, and you're going to be able to meet Malukin on campus, and he could really use a laptop. And so this picture is that day. You see, engineering was Malukin's dream. Visiting him was our dream. And so in God's wisdom and in God's timing, God decided to bless both of us at that same time. This 15-year span of life, this, this devotion, being devoted to him, this 15 years of prayer, of caring, of, of loving God and loving our neighbor as ourselves, we spent the day together. We, we laughed and we cried. Malukin told us that he was the first person in his, in his family that had ever gone to university. And that was possible because of his partnership with Compassion and all those years having a mentor assigned to him and being able to get extra tutoring and to being able to develop in all of these areas. But Malukin asked one big question that day as we spent and had lunch and, and, and sat around and, and, and had just an incredible day. He said, why? Why? Why me? Why, why did you pick me? Of all the kids that are out there, why did you pick me? I said, Malukin, there's a story in the Bible called the Good Samaritan. And the Good Samaritan comes along to somebody in need and picks him up and takes care of him. And I said, Malukin, you've been released from poverty in Jesus' name. It's your turn and your time to go now and do likewise. Go now and do likewise. It wasn't us that chose you. It was us just being obedient to our Lord Jesus Christ and responding. And he got it. And he understood. And he was so thankful and we had a, just an incredible time. You know, there are many more stories like Malukin to be told. Maybe it's your sponsored child. Maybe it's one of the, of the hundred that are out there on the tables right now. God has a plan and a purpose for all of them. We just have the privilege to come alongside to make a difference and to sponsor one, two, or ten children. I did bring children from all over the world and as much as I'd love to say, let's bring them in, I brought them here. We, we don't need to go today to the world. The world has come to us, and they're all out there in the foyer. I broke it down into four different regions, Central America, South America, Africa, and Asia. 
and you'll see specific, country-specific out there. They're all out there on purpose for you to take a look at. I think sometimes if we only knew the impact of our sponsorship, what that could have to someone in need, if, if, if Malukin were here right now and he could explain to you what it was like, I thought, well, I can't bring Malukin here, but I can bring a video to share with you now. And this is another boy named Eric. So you see, Compassion sat down with several sponsored children who are grown up, who are released from poverty, and asked them to describe what the impact of being sponsored meant to them. I, I trust that you'll be moved as well as you see. Let's watch this video about Eric from Kenya. How magical that moment was when I knew that I have a sponsor now. It changed everything, literally. My name is Eric. I'm born in a family of eight children, four boys, four girls. My father died when I was eight years. And the time my father died, it changed the whole story. The relatives from his ancestral home came and took away all the wealth. At the time, we were barely left with nothing. Life was never the same at that point. It meant uh, not having access to better health, not having access to good education. We so much wanted to be at school, but we never had an opportunity. That was all gone. An uncle who worked with Compassion as a volunteer, he got in contact with my elder sister. Uh, they worked alongside with my mom to have us registered in a Compassion program. There was this big ray of hope, Compassion coming in. When I knew that I have a sponsor now, this was another highlight to me. Like uh, getting a sponsor, it changed everything literally. I'm worth I have a life, I'm loved. I'd just finished university. She came and surprised me. Is there anyone who would desire to come and like take care of you? Is there anyone who would be thinking about you? From the other end of the world, you receive news that someone is coming in. Actually, Eric, we have a message from Dorothy, and we'd love to share it today. Hi, Eric. It is so good to be able to send you a message today. I had no idea the impact my sponsorship would have, and it's just been amazing to see how far you've come since I first started sponsoring you when you were eight. I am so proud of you, and I've definitely gained a friend for life. Keep in touch. Every time I think of Dorothy, I, I just see a person who changed the world, who saw a desert and believed that there is water. It can turn into a big tree. It can turn into a forest. 
sponsoring a child with compassion is giving an opportunity to live. It's more than just picking a name. It's more than just sending the little money, writing letters. It's more of giving a life and making that life worth living and very meaningful. The video ends with interrupt poverty with hope. Why? To fulfill what God has asked us to do, to love our neighbor and to, to love God and to love our neighbor as ourselves. And so today, as we wrap up, and, and I would invite you to come and see us, come out and join us in the foyer. There's children from all over the world, and truly, what, what, what we really want you to do today is, is come on out there, select a child, grab a form and a pen, fill it out, and return it to us, and leave it with us. Hope, Mississauga, such a day to be able to praise the Lord and lift up his name and look to his scripture and look to his word. So thankful for you and so thankful for your commitment. But let us go forward with hope today. Let us go forward. Let us interrupt poverty with hope today. I'm just going to close in prayer. God, thank you, Father, so much for this day. Lord, this opportunity that we can to both lift up your name, to love you, to love others. God, help us, God to love like Jesus. God, help us for the Malukins in our lives. God, the opportunities that you give us that we may consider sponsoring and coming alongside a child, God, in need. God, there's so many ways that you're at work in our lives. God, we just do, we do praise you. We do thank you, God. We thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who came and died on the cross for us and who was rose again on the third day. God gave himself as a sacrifice for us. God, may we just keep this in perspective, Father, of what you've done for us this day. Lord, as you go before us, God, stir our hearts, God. Lead us, guide us, direct us. May interruptions be invitations in your name. We praise you, God. We love you in Jesus' name.